Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 107. I am your host, Sean DeRager. With me, as always, is Brad Henderson. Yeah! <laughs> Many of you have been asking, where the fuck is BJ? Are you guys jerk faces? Egotistical maniacs? Uh, booting her off the show? You guys being, uh, just asshole dudes? Because many that, dudes are assholes. Is that the comments we've been getting? No. Not at all. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, I was about to say. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> no, she has been super busy doing, um, her stage play stuff there in, uh, in Cleveland. Super busy with that. I guess it got kind of held over as doing, doing more shows because it was, went over so well. That kind of thing. And, uh, this time, but this time around, she's being a really good friend and being there for one of her friends. So BJ is legit, awesome person, and uh, Duh, Jesus, there are more like important the cool, things. Than one of the this, coolest girls I know. There's more important things in this dumbass show, and she's handling some shit. Uh, we want to make sure she is with us for the next Vinegar Syndrome podcast, though. She'll flip out if she's not. So we, it has to happen. She's missed two, and she's kicking herself. Um, Literally. So, she yeah, has bruise. Totally. So, uh, totally. we're gonna make, we're gonna make sure that happens and that she's with us for that. Totally. But today we are talking Arrow Films again, another one of their box sets, another one of their Italian giallos. We're gonna be talking the Death Walks Twice set, two films by Luciano Ercoli. Well, that's pretty good. Getting the Italian vibe down. I'm getting the Italian names are pretty good. Dang, man, you're so cool. Yeah. Dang. So we'll be talking about this set. Um, we'll be ch- get, jumping into our What's in a Doorstep as well, and we'll be getting into news with Josh Obershaw. But first, shit, dude. Things have come to light. Uh, the Rocktober Blood Blu-ray has shipped. People are getting their greasy hands all over it. That we talked people into. That we talked people into, and we feel... Like fucking assholes. Like, I feel horrible. Yeah, I felt pretty bad. Well, it, it mainly started because, I mean, as most of the listeners know, we did a heavy metal horror month. We, uh, I tracked down some Sebastians, which I was super excited about. Um, and, you know, we had a great interview. Nothing, nothing against Ferd and Beverly themselves, no, of course. They are, those two are, they're legit. great, they're great people, but, you know, they hinted at a Rocktober Blood. Uh, Blu-ray, and we were super excited because that was one of my favorite films by them, and then they were saying their son is kind of taking that off, so they gave me the son's contact information, we were chatting back and forth, cool guy and all. Yeah, he played Billy, Tracy. Yeah. Trey is credited. Trey Loran is also Tracy Sebastian, Mm -hmm. who is basically the the sole person behind these Rocktober Blood Blu-rays. So we got in contact with them. You know, we did a write-up. We had an exclusive because they announced it on the show. Um, we wrote up a very nice article uh, for Tracy. Got a, dude, we got so many hits on that shit. Like it was we, one of our best uh, Yeah, within like a couple articles. days, it had, you know, like a thousand shares on, and likes on Facebook. It just, it blew up. And we were excited about it because... You know, that means that we made this person, you know, some dough. We got this movie. We felt we helped it get off the ground again. Uh, we saved it in a way I felt like. I was like, man, this feels yeah, really we, good. Yeah, we were feeling awesome about it. And I guess we kind of did 
still save it. <laughs> but <laughs> um, from what we were told and what I even spoke and have text messages by Trey Loren. And we also got uh, Facebook, like on Facebook, uh, Jesus from Slasher Video also got some confirmation. Yeah. Told the exact same thing we were told. So, so we went by what the main source is, and we had direct contact with Tracy, Trey, and um, we were told it's going to be a new transfer. It's going to be from the 35 millimeter elements. It's going to be a pressed Blu-ray. We were told many things. And it's all a lie. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more, I mean, I always like to think like, oh, we'll give him a benefit of the doubt. Like maybe some shit went down, but, but maybe he didn't, maybe he just doesn't know any better. Maybe he thought that one inch tape is 35 millimeter. I don't know. Um, but the more and more we kind of dig into the more and more he just is just, I don't know if it's laziness or well, just... you can say that all... You, like, people... I've heard a couple people say, well, he probably didn't know the difference. If your mom and dad are fucking guerrilla filmmakers... Right. And you grew up making movies with your parents... Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's there's no, like, oh, man, I thought a one-inch tape was 35 mil... No. There's no chance in hell that's possible. Well, there's some when confusion, you... too, because on the Facebook and everything, he said he had the one a uh, one-inch master, which makes me think, like, the one-inch... I don't know if it's beta... No, tape. he put that... He put that on his... He put that on the, uh, the website. The website. On Facebook and through text messages, he clearly states... Yeah. 35, 35 millimeter. And so I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, they probably had a 35 millimeter print of their own film, not the negative, but mm -hmm. a 35 millimeter print. They were just going to put that shit through the scanner, give us, you know, an, a new HD copy. Boy, it is wrong. Everything, it's just a V, it's, it's basically a very well cleaned up VHS tape. Some people beg to differ about it, but. Four by three. That means black bars on the side, mm -hmm. people. That means watching a VHS on a widescreen television. <laughs> That's not that when you don't stretch it. And it wasn't originally filmed like that. And uh, like 2.0 audio, when you put in the Blu-ray, it starts playing the movie. There's no special features other than the end, um, which provides um, basically like all of the Sebastian DVDs that they have put out by themselves. Um, because the Sebastians have put out their own films on DVD, Gator Bait, Gator Bait 2, Running Cool. Um, they put those all out, and they're like 5 $6 because they don't charge a lot for them because they're basically fucking you know, VHS transfers on DVD, which I don't mind paying $6 for that. Yeah. Um, however, uh, $50 for it. I don't know if that's a good idea. Um but, you know, at the end of the, all their uh, films, uh, actually it's a special feature on <laughs> a lot of their DVDs is uh, basically what they do now, which they talked about on the show The Greyhounds and Jesus. And that's the only thing that's at the end of the um, the Blu-ray is Beverly and, and Ferd talking. It was a new interview just talking about their, um, uh, yeah, their, 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 stuff. their project, yeah. which is fine. But that's not really it's not really a special feature for the <laughs> blu-ray of rocktober blood no 
So it's it's completely everything about it is uh, you know is also BDR, which I I wouldn't be like if it was a thirty five millimeter scan and they put it on BDR, I could give two shits. Um, but he also said they were going to be pressed, and I guess that would have mattered if it was you know thirty five millimeter or not to to some people. People just don't want BDRs, but the soundtrack is burned too. The soundtrack is ripped oh. audio off of CDs. And and put on put on the put on the uh, the CD <laughs> from his iTunes playlist. Yeah, like everything about this release, dude. I could have released this movie by myself in my own home and probably done a better goddamn job. Yeah, because the but cover this, is very like even the artwork is horrible. This <laughs> is a fan. This is dude. The, the cover's like super. Like you open it up, boom. You have um. You have the loose uh, CD because he didn't buy a two 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 case for these things. And you can't so anyways, swap out the case because he signed the yeah, Blu-ray al- case. Already, the signature has worn off on the oh. front. Um, and like you can look, and it looks like a VHS box was opened up and flattened out <clears throat> on a scanner, and then scanned through that. And then was edited in like paint yeah. by a kid. It looks bad. With a you know a little spray paint can. <laughs> yeah. Looks like someone used a spray paint can. Um and then the blue Blu-ray symbols just like right in the right hand corner for some <laughs> odd reason. I don't understand. And the back just looks awful. It's so bad. Anyway, there's but, a there's a really good we linked to a YouTube uh video. The uh, the analog archivist. I think it was the first one. Um, our listener in front of the show, Luis, uh, sent us the link, and uh, it was one of the first the kind analog, of re- reviews I saw. I, the analog you that, archivist. You mean that dude that like? I, if you listen to the show, I apologize. Uh, I I don't really know who you are. Is that the <laughs> is that the dude that like uh, complains all the time? I've no, I've never seen any of this stuff before. Um, That's the dude that called Diabolic out for stealing pieces puzzles. Oh shit, is he? I'm. I'm <laughs> no, is his is name it? like? Is his name VHS Collector or something like that? Uh, I, dude, I really don't know. I don't. I don't. Pay He's attention. got a wall of tapes behind him. Yeah, and he has like a yep. beer, dude. That guy. This guy. That guy's a dick. All right. So if you listen to the show. If you actually listen to the show, I'm going to call you out because you called Jesse out on Diabolic DVD for stealing fucking puzzles. Mm. Dude, fucking grow up. Well, we're, we're linking to that site. That was the first thing I saw, and he's pretty comprehensive about it. So, you know, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if he bought it, I mean, if all people was going to rip something apart, he probably would be the prime person to do it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's 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 a botched completely botched release it's just it's a shame you know if he would have like charged like 10 bucks or something like that for this and just said hey i want about it you know you know i just want to help my parents like get this give this movie some more life you know it's a non-profit thing we're going to be burning these in my garage dude cool awesome yeah but don't don't try to fucking fucking make rocktober blood too now oh fuck that shit no. Yeah. So, anyways, we're sorry because we kind of broke the news and we really pumped it up and we supplied information that obviously was false, and we're gonna fess up to it a hundred percent. 
you know. But, I mean, we were obviously lied to, but we want to apologize for anybody that we um, we talked now, to in buying that Blu-ray. If you and, did buy this, um, Walt yes. from Scorpion Releasing was saying uh, that you can probably do a chargeback uh, or get a hold of your credit card company. Because I think it was you couldn't – I don't know if you could use PayPal or not through this. If you used PayPal, you can probably do a chargeback. There's enough ammo on there showing that you've been lied to. Um or get a hold of your bank or your credit card and, and get that charge reversed or something like that. Because obviously he's he's disappeared off Facebook, right? Yeah, he disappeared on his, Facebook. His personal account's he, gone. The, the October Blood account is still there, and people. Are I got a I got a refund in pissed. like thirty minutes. Did you? Okay. Because I I sent it to him, and yeah. then he like I didn't call him or text him or anything. I just gonna let it go. Yeah, but did it, you it's, refund through PayPal or what'd you do? Just do PayPal. Okay. So I would recommend doing that, man. I I sent him a message. I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, we helped push this and it's a total lie. And you lied to us. You lied. You know, we helped you promote this. Number one, you make us look like a bunch of fucking liars. Like we're part of it too. I was like, you know, I I think that's very unfair. Yeah. And I would like my money back and you should refund everybody. Yep. Because you're obviously not going to lose much money on this fucking release, to be honest with you. No. I mean, probably like a few hundred bucks. That's it. Like, and I'm sure a lot of people won't, some won't even ask for a refund because they're like, yeah, you know, which is cool. You know, it obviously gives Rocktober Blood some, uh, pushes a little bit more life into it. But um, yeah, we, we hoped it would be a, a, maybe a different way of getting Rocktober Blood kind of a new life yeah. to it. Yeah. So, so, so that's what you can do. If you, if you're screwed over, you definitely pretty positive you can get your money back. Um, cause you're obviously, it was a lot of people have. Okay, good. It was misrepresented in what you're getting. So, yeah. all right. Are we, are we done talking about that? Let's move yeah, on not, forever. Think, Maybe someday good. we'll get a really good scan, really good release of. October blood, but, um, Hey, maybe when Lionsgate's soon going through their vaults, maybe they will. That's the thing, dude. What if he's going to be in trouble with Lionsgate? Cause Lion- Lionsgate probably still owns Rocktober blood. Yeah, I highly doubt they would have given him the rights back. Yeah, unless the Sebastians bought the rights back back in the day, but I'm almost positive I was reading something. I don't know. Um, where that, because Vestron was, was who distributed Rocktober Blood. That's the only distribution had all Vestron titles went to Lionsgate towards the, I mean, they went through a few companies, but they were all handled by Lionsgate. Mm-hmm. Unless the Sebastians got the rights back to their film. Tracy had, um, had said on Facebook he got the one inch tape master from Lionsgate. But I don't know how much is that true or what. I have no idea. A one inch master from line? No. VHS dude. master. Yeah, you're going to believe that one thing. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't. All the I, other I have no idea. You know, I don't, nothing, uh, holds any water. Um, I mean, as prob- soon as we find yeah, out he was he a Trump has. supporter, I think we, uh, knew something was going to be up. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny because I, I said, I, I text you that. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> He's a Trump supporter. I was like, oh fuck. Have you, if you, <laughs> well, anyways, moving on. I think I think we've said our piece on. Ah, uh, yeah. All right, let's move into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow! I almost forgot. We'll get the door. <laughs> Alrighty. What's you on go- your doorstep, Sean? 
Well, I only got a couple things. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk to talk about was um, the Michael Bay flick Thirteen Hours came out. Oh my god, dude! The movie kicks so much ass. So I mean, it's about the whole Benghazi thing and how that went down. It's, it's R-rated, basically R-rated war film in the vein of kind of like Black Hawk Down, directed by Michael Bay. And, uh, dude, it's good. It doesn't feel like, he like it's like Michael Bay restrained for once. And it's just a pretty kick-ass military flick about the whole thing that went down. And, uh, I mean, there's scenes in this of, like, the way some of their... Because I've, I've, I have friends who've been in the military and things like that, and they talk about... Um, I had, a, I had a man movie night one time, and uh, so a couple of the dudes who were in, like, the Marines came over in my neighborhood, and we all watched Rambo, the the newest one. Um, and they were talking about how, like, people get ripped apart with the bullets and everything, and, like, that that's very true to how some of these uh, machine guns will rip the, their, your enemy to shreds. And you see that in this film, like, there's the scene where these dudes just get totally just ripped apart. It's amazing. Um, the movie looks great, of course, from Michael Bay, but... Uh, I just was, it was cool to see him kind of restrained and there's not, there's none of the, the dumb jock humor at all. It's just a straightforward action military flick. Fine. Fine. So I'll watch it. It's, it's but pretty dude, damn good. I used to stand up for Michael Bay every fucking breath I took, but after those fucking seven transfers <laughs> he's made, I honestly, yeah, I know. can't, I can't trust him. Pain and gain was good. I did like pain and gain. Yep. Um, no, I think him but, in these types of movies, it's like he should pursue this stuff more, but he keeps getting sucked in because of the money uh, into these Transformers movies and the Transformers dude, movies. He's like doing like two more Transformers movies. Like they're dumb as rocks. I I kind of I'm partial to Transformers. I kind of forgive a lot with those films, but and they know, get longer each time. I know that they're bad. They're like up to three hours. And the last one was ridiculously long. Should Wait, not have been that long. I, I want to look it up. I want to da- look up how hey, long last. The damn good special talk. effects in those movies. But I'm not talking about the Transformers films. Like this one. Oh, wait, shows how, me how that... many are there? There's five. <sighs> five, yeah. Is there really? five? Oh my god. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's four out, and there's the fifth one he's working on. Okay. But anyway, okay. what I'm saying is, when Michael Bay is operating in this restrained, quote unquote, smaller movie, man, like it's is it's a big budget. I mean, it looks a big budget film. I mean, this is a you know, like Black Hawk Down was pretty intense. Like, you know, it's very much in, in vain with that. Not as I guess, not as gritty or down to earth as Black Hawk Down. There's still the kind of some of the shots with Michael Bay sets up. You know, you can tell it's him. But um, but dude, I want more of these types of flicks. I'm done with him doing Transformers. I want dude, I want more of this. Transformers: awesome. Age of Extinction was two hours and forty five minutes. Holy shit, dude. I don't remember one thing about uh, that movie. I remember other than, that uh, there's like dinosaurs in the beginning. Farm. Yeah. yeah. Dinosaurs get uh, wiped out by like metal. And then, uh, hey, is that, a tra- is that a transformer? Is that a transformer in my garage? God. Shows up. <laughs> and and part three was two hours and 34 minutes. Part three was better. The so second one is pure shit. Like, there, that movie makes no sense at all. Dude, part three is <laughs> terrible. No, I, Yeah, but the what? last half hour is pretty damn good. All right, Revenge of the Fallen is two hours and 30 minutes. No, dude. All these Transformers oh. movies suck so much. They're the first really one, The first one was legitimately decent. 
And the rest are just I, I oh, watched. Oh wait, it got shorter. Two hours and twenty four minutes was the original. Dude, they fucking no. I'm not. But, we're not gonna have a Transformers argument on the show. <laughs> I, you, I I know what they are. I I like certain aspects of them, but I know as as a film, as a telling a story, it's they're bad. There they there's no story to be told. Uh, fuck. Shia LaBeouf speak- gets worse and worse through the first three movies. Like he's horrible in, um, he just doesn't one. care. He's awful. Like he's Dude, a, he's a douchebag, douchebag dick. Do you know what ruined Transformers for me? The first one. What is when he says, "How did you learn to speak English?" And he oh, says, God. "The World Wide Web." Yeah, and then when Autos, Autos Prime goes, "My bad," it's like, oh god. And they're they're trying to hide from his parents Ugh. in this. It's like you guys are giant robots. There's no way you can hide. Ugh. All right. Moving forward. <laughs> I like how obvious you pointed that out. They're giant robots. How do they hide? <laughs> They're trying to hide from his parents. It's like, Dude, there's no way. I don't want to talk about this <laughs> Anyway, oh, God. point being, 13 Hours is a Michael Bay film. It's badass. He needs to do more of this shit, like 13 Hours, Pain and Gain, you know, get get back to these types of films. Bad and he can Boys he, 3, but I guess... um uh, Joe Carnahan is doing three, so I'm okay, oh, okay. with that That's too. That's cool. Yeah, give Joe Carnahan some work, man. Uh, all right, moving along. Um, I watched Kino, Kino Lorber's Blu-ray of Cherry 2000, aka mm. How to Find a New Sex Bot. Sex Bot. Yeah, Cherry 2000. I, I remember that movie. I, I need to watch it again. The setup is. Hilarious, because in in the future, apparently, if you want a sex bot, you can buy one. They look human. You can marry one, and uh, this uh, our our main character, uh, Sam Treadwell, played by David Andrews. Right? Yeah. He uh he him and his uh, lovely sex bot are getting it on, and they, something happens with the dishwasher, and they're doing it on the kitchen floor. And the dishwasher overflows, getting the sex pot, sex pot, I keep saying sex pot, the sex bot wet, therefore short-circuiting her and killing her. So he needs to find a new sex bot, that model, a Cherry 2000, because it's compatible with a little disc that has her memories and everything on it. That's the setup. That movie isn't, that setup is insane. <laughs> I, I had no, dude, I, I had no remember, idea. I remember seeing this movie, like, on like USA or something, but I don't remember anything about it. Like you just blew my mind. Um, but it's like you'd think in the you'd think if you're gonna be having sex with this thing, it should be at least waterproof. Yeah, jizz proof, not waterproof. Um. Anyway, wow. so he That's sets why out. Jay's not on the show. He sets out to find this another model, but of course that one model is in like some dead zone or some restricted zone. So he hires Melanie Griffith to help him get in there. And she's supposed to be this badass. Uh, she's super cute, but she is not very good at acting in this one. She like all her, all her lines are deadpan. It's great. And then, uh. So Melanie Griffith is normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was never like stand out. Like, she was great in Milk Money. Yeah. Uh, Brian James is in this. He's great. He's always great. Um, 
Apparently, Lawrence Fishburne is in this as well. And I'm trying to think. There's one other guy in this that I can't seem to. I can't seem to find. He plays the bad guy. Um. Shit. Shit. Oh, Tim Thomerson. Oh, Tim Thomerson. Tim Thomerson is in it. He's the main bad guy. He's great. And then Robert Zidar is in it as well. Damn, so. that's got a cool cast. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a, some of these I guys are playing I, I small. Mean, like I said, I remember a little bit about it, but oh not man, as much as what you just said that just blew my mind. The the plot is hilarious, and it just gets it's just you know it goes post apocalyptic, and it's great, man. It's just a fun time, fun flick. So the Blu-ray looks great. So if you if you want to grab it, if you're a fan of this film, um, grab it. All right, that's all I got. Really. Like yeah, light week, man. I've been I've been busy. Dang. I've been trying to watch the Death Walks twice set. Uh, it took me like five days to get through the whole thing because I kept falling asleep. Damn. Not not All the right. movies. Not totally the movies' fault there. But all right, I'm gonna it. start off. Uh, this one's quick and easy. Um, I think I reviewed this back in the day. Um, during Fantastic Fest of last year. And so it came out on Blu-ray. I'll just give it another shout-out because people seem to like this movie. Um, so I'll just let you know it's out. I was uh, I wasn't a fan. I gave it another shot. I, I, I Well, I gave it a, another half of a shot because I ended up turning it off because I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll try it again. So anyways, it's a movie called Gridlocked. Um, oh. D- Dominic Purcell is, uh, is lead in it. Uh, Benny Jones is in it. Stephen Lang, who is always really super cool to watch in movies. Uh, and of course the cameo by Danny Glover. Um, and okay. Trish Stratus. Okay. Apparently she's a wrestler or something. Um, or he's, is she a wrestler? Is that a wrestler? I don't know. Anyway, I don't watch wrestling. Um, oh, we have fans that listen to wrestling. So, um, or watch wrestling. They can verify. Um, so it's a, basically, uh, this guy who is an ex, uh, SWAT dude is hired to watch over this, um, uh, this, basically this movie star, this, uh, Brody is his name, um, kind of to babysit him because he's, uh, got some, got some problems. He's on, uh, probation. Um, so he basically tags along as kind of, you know, one of those, uh, what do they call that when you tag along with the officer? Ride alongs? Ride along? So did you watch the like, Ice Cube movie? No. Ride along? No. I haven't either. <laughs> so he, uh, he's basically a ride along and, uh, they get into this facility with some of his ex buddies, the SWAT team's ex buddies, and then they have a siege taken on them and they fight through the night. That sounds cool, right? No, it's not. Um, it tries to. It's really weird because it really tries to be this '90s buddy comedy. Like the soundtrack is completely '90s, like literally songs from the '90s. And they try to like portray this lethal weapon thing with these two guys, but it just doesn't work because there's absolutely zero chemistry. You have Dominic Purcell, who's basically in it for a paycheck. You have this one kid who's playing Brody who's obviously in it because he's like, holy shit, I'm in a movie. <laughs> and not, it doesn't flow at all. And it's just a really awful, like, direct-to-video action movie. Um, so 
if you like that type of thing, then you're in for a treat because um, there's a lot of these types of movies. It's definitely uh, one of the more bottom of the barrel uh, flicks. Hmm. Um, so next up, let's see what I can pick here. I got a few things. Um, I, uh, picked up, uh, I don't know why I did this. I picked up the double feature of, uh, Troll and Troll 2, uh, mainly because I was like, oh man, I remember Troll when I was oh, little. Baby. Those movies, those movies are funky. I remember Troll 2 probably well, it comes, the most. It comes with the uh, documentary, uh, Best Worst Movie, right? Oh yeah. So yeah, it comes, comes with that. It's uh, standard def. It's basically, if people don't know what Best Worst Movie is, it's a documentary made by Michael Stevenson, who is the little kid in Troll 2. Um, who basically makes a doc about how his experience and how this is known as like one of the worst or best worst movies of all time. Michael Stevenson also directed this um, document uh, on a side. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's called um, it's called American Haunting or something like that. American Haunt something. I forget what it is. But anyways, the one about uh, the haunted houses. Yeah, he makes a documentary about uh, haunted houses. About yeah, I think it's people. called American Haunting. It's really good. Yeah, it's so good. It's so so like heartfelt and great. He, he's a, he's definitely a good uh, documentary filmmaker. So I, I hope he continues. Well, anyways, I popped in Troll. Haven't watched Troll Two again because I've seen actually Troll Two more than I've seen Troll. I've never seen the first um, one. And you know, it's it's funny because people consider Troll Two bad. Dude, Troll is just as bad as Troll Two. <laughs> Like it doesn't have the goofy one-liners and kind of the awkwardness uh, and the like, kind of the still acting. It's just batshit insane. But it has a really unique cast. Cher's ex-husband, uh, former husband, I guess. I don't know if they ever got divorced. They hit uh, Sonny Bono, who passed away. It has uh, Michael Morarity, Morarity, sorry. It has uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus in it. Um, it has. Uh, God, there's somebody else that I'm trying to think of that's in this. Shit, I forget now. There's a couple. There's, there's a couple uh, recognizable faces in, in in the film. So, oh, um, uh, Phil Funda 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 Paranox. I don't know. It's actually it's a blood thinner. <laughs> but <laughs> Phil Phil Fonda something. Anyways, he's the little guy in um, you know Ghoulies too, and he's he's been in a lot of horror films. Uh, well, anyway, he plays uh, kind of the, the the main troll, and he also plays a character in in the film, um, uh, kind of the guy that you know kind of befriends the, the the little girl. So everybody should know what troll is. I, I think people know more about troll two than they know troll. Yeah. But aside from Michael Moriarty, like totally sealing the show and being awesome, the movie's really goofy. Um, but anyways, I, I, you know, of all things, you know, with Screen Factory, they did a pretty cool thing combining both movies and the doc. I think that's super cool. Yeah. So if you're into those, uh, goofy movies and nothing bad about them, it's just, they're, they're not very good movies. Um, Troll 2 is definitely in, more enjoyable because it's so, it is so goofy. Um, but it was, it was funny cause I, I remember everybody asking if they're really going to put Troll 3 <laughs> in in that set <clears throat> and i was like do people like people do that uh, like on purpose online it's like are you going to combine everything with this that's associated with this one movie you're releasing fucking troll 3 is not even considered troll 3 it's just another movie that they retitled troll 3 later down the line 
and promoted it as Troll 3, but it's nothing like Troll. Like, Troll <laughs> 2 is nothing like Troll. Like, you know, it's just, it has little grimy, ghouly things. And that's the thing, is so many of the fucking trolls in or, Troll look like ghoulies. I understand that's kind of a Empire Pictures Robert, you know, Charles Band uh, thing that he does. But it's just, it's, it's, it's funny that, you know, he always, you know, he, he like, Charles Band's obsessed with little things. Mm-hmm. Like, Shrieker, Puppet Master, Ghoulies, uh, I, I mean, I could, uh, Demonic Toys, um, Dollman, like, he has so, dolls, and then he had his hands in dolls, too. Um, but he's obsessed with little creatures. He loves them. He loves <laughs> little creatures. And, uh, you know, it's, it actually went on a, you know, speaking of Charles Band, I, I, I commented the other day on Twitter, because, you know, anybody that knows about Charles Band, he's a really shysty uh, businessman now. Um, you know, he had that whole VHS fiasco a couple years ago where he claimed that he found some old VHS tapes in his warehouse and he was going to sell them for like $70 a piece and come to find out they're just reprints <laughs> and he fessed up for it. Um, anyway, see, in like a lot of the full moon releases they release are just like DVD um, transfers and that's all they do. They're just in it for the money. Um, so he's got, I got this kind of bad reputation, but if you really look at it as any hardcore horror fan, like from the moment that you were little to the time that you were older, Charles Band has somehow impacted your life and you just don't know it. And he is very much like kind of Corman in a way, which, um, my friend, uh, who said that, uh, my friend um, Jason Murphy said he was very much like Corman, and he's true. Um, but Charles Band was definitely a horror film lover deep down because you may think, oh, that's the guy that did Puppet Master. That's the guy that produced those, uh, you know, has, he has Full Moon. You don't understand. Charles Band started out, like, with Empire, and then he had a bunch of video labels, he was bringing horror to our video stores when we were little. So if you rented Zombie, if you rented the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on those wizard titles, he's the one that brought those to you because that was his label. He had multiple labels uh, in the 80s. He was wanting to bring horror to every video store in your home. Uh, yeah, he made you know some shitty movies. He made some great movies. He, he you know he has a bad past. You know these past two years. But you really have to look at it. He's kind of a pioneer. He's a staple in a lot of people's childhoods, and mm-hmm. I don't think they really realize that. So somehow, way or another, if you're a hardcore horror fan, Charles Band has affected your life. And I think we need to sometimes set aside, you know, not let all the bad stuff. I mean, because obviously I wouldn't, you know, deal with him at all or buy anything from him at this point. But that doesn't take away, like, how much he uh, has impacted the horror industry. Like he has really done some great work um, through his life, and I, I, I think you know people kind of need to take that in consideration sometimes because they always talk about the negative stuff, which it's easy to, yeah, you know. But um, as far as Charles Band goes, I think uh, obviously he's done some, he's done more, he's done some great things more than he has done bad. You know, he's some fuck people over some, with some money that sucks, but I mean he, people caught on to that fairly easy. Hey, I found a bunch of their fifty. I found fifty 
50 of each copy. No, that's not possible. Exactly 50? Yeah, it was like 50 of each one or something like that. I don't know, like 250. But anyways, it was it was really bizarre. So uh, next up is uh, another Blue Underground. Blue Underground, has, uh, they killed it last year, and they got a whole lineup this year, which is pretty cool. And they got a lot of stuff. Uh, they got a lot more that they're announcing and, and putting on their site. So they um, both of these were released on DVD back in the day um, from them. They did a, um, an upgrade um, on, on both of these. This is um, – it was weird because they called this Diabolical, Bizarre, and Sadistic double feature. And it's the Million Eyes of Sumeru and the girl from Rio. And I was thinking back, I was like, I've had those on DVD. Like, what is so diabolical and sadistic about these movies? I was like, did I miss something? So I put them in. And I'm like, what? Is, this is like PG-13 movies. Like, ooh, what the <laughs> hell is so you know, bizarre about these movies? Well, anyways, the Million Eyes of Sumeru is not a very great movie. If you know what it is, um, you, you know what it is. It's basically... Like a PG-13 movie of a Ted Mickles or an Andy Sedaris film where um, this uh, Sumeru wants to uh, take over um, kind of the world, killing off men leaders and replacing them with her female group, her spies. It is, it is basically a spy movie, <laughs> but um, written um, by uh, – um, uh, what's his name? Well, let me look at the back. It's on the back. Harry Towers, who um, worked with Jess, uh, Jess Franco for years, um, which it's funny because Jess Franco directs the sequel, well, so-so sequel, um, called The Girl from Rio, which has a little bit more violence and, and sexy time in it than um, than The Million Eyes of Sumeru. So anyways, um, you know, Million Eyes of Sumeru is fun. It's a really cheesy and goofy female spy flick with um, always wants to push the limits, but comes back. It's like I said, it's a PG 13 Andy Sedaris movie, Hmm. Um, but it's a fun little spy movie of, if you like corny spy movies from the seventies and eighties, like, you know, everybody should know what I like in like Flint and shit like that. Um, You know, even like old James Bond movies are goofy. Oh yeah. Um, Very much on par with that, but just led by, you know, sexy ladies. So um, the girl from Rio uh, comes. Oh, another thing I forgot to say: Frankie Avalon is in uh, the Million Eyes of Sumer, which is hilarious. He plays the lead, which is uh, super funny to me. But anyways, um, the girl from Rio, of course, is uh, kind of a so-so um, uh, sequel. It basically uh, brings back uh, Shirley Eden, who plays Sumeru from the first film, brings her back as Sumeru. And kind of goes into a different, uh, uh, you know, more violent thing. But it has the same thing as these women that want to, basically, Sumeru comes back as um, coming back and reigning all these, like, women to be in this clan and to basically take over the world again. So, Hmm. yeah. It's it's it basically it's almost the same movie in a way. It was just made a couple years later with the same plot. So basically, Sumeru <laughs> is to enslave men and have women as power. So it, it's a very fun double feature. I would probably watch The Girl from Rio first and then Millionize of Sumeru because I think uh, Sumeru is actually more action and more upbeat. Girl from Rio is very like 
old-timey spy ship. But anyways, um, definitely a fun double feature if you find it cheap enough. I think um, I think you would enjoy it uh, for sure. So, um, And also another Jess Franco movie I didn't hate, which is weird wow. because I did not care for Jess Franco. Um, but I've watched a lot of movies since this podcast, and I'm starting to like him a little bit more. I'm liking him more and more. Um, so there's that. Next up, I watched uh, another Arrow uh, film that we're talking about. Um, Black Mama, White Mama. Did you talk about this on the show? I did. I. I don't know. I think I did briefly. I, so I, I think I did. Anyways, um, Black Mama, White Mama uh, is a black exploitation movie mixed uh, with a female empowerment thing. Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the girl's name? Um, her name's Karen in the movie, but I don't remember. Um. I don't remember. Margaret Markov? Yeah, that's it. That's it. So anyways, basically they're chained up. They're on the run. Um, very, It's basically very much almost identical to um, – it's more sleazy. Uh, the Sidney Poitier film, uh, The Defiant Ones, which if you haven't seen Black Mom, White Mom, or The Defiant Ones – you might have all seen Fled, which is basically a remake of the Defiant Ones and Black Mama, White Mama with Lawrence Fishburne and Stephen Baldwin. Um, very much kind of the same movie. Um, the movie's been done over and over again, that story, which I'm always happy to see because it's very entertaining. Black Mama, White Mama is uh, definitely a black exploitation, sex exploitation, yeah. uh, women empowerment movie. Um, and it's got a lot of guns. It's got a lot of bullets. It's got a lot of TNA. Mm-hmm. Dick Diaz is one of the crime lords. Um, it's It's got a great cast. Some great suits um, in it, too. Yeah, Sid Haig, just, man, his outfits are amazing. Yeah, Sid Haig is, is great. <laughs> it's, it's super weird. It's raunchy. It's sleazy. It's definitely, um, I guess you could call this a Women in Chains movie, too, um, mainly because they're in chains for a good portion of the film. But definitely a, a, a lot of fun and kind of uh, what really kind of kick-started, you know, the whole Pam Greer uh, badassery, you know, because she was already badass when she was in this. But yeah, she was in Big, I don't know. Was she, in, she was in Big Birdcage the year before. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of her breaking out. This is yeah. what made her get lead roles yeah. uh, down the line and even into the 80s and 90s um, and keep going. So definitely, uh, definitely pick that up. It's, it's definitely... It's a lot of fun. Um, I don't think they did a new transfer, but it still looks really crisp and clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have the DVD of this. Um, so uh, it, it definitely is an upgrade. It's just an HD, um, basically, transfer. Yeah, um, and it also, looks good. I mean, if, yeah. you know, these films in the 70s, like, some are hit or miss, or, but it, look, it looks good. Yeah, so... Um, a lot, a lot of fun on that one. Pick that up if you uh, find it to the right price. Um, the next up is a film that I loved when I was little, and um, I had it on, recorded it off like HBO or something like that. I can't remember. And I watched it, this in the sequel numerous times. Um, it was uh, The Giver, which is based off a uh, popular, uh, you say manga? Is that what it's? They're called yeah. mangas. Okay. Based off a popular Japanese manga. I guess that already says manga's Japanese. But anyways, um, sorry if I'm not 
know my shit when it comes to Oh, man, we're going to get emails or comments on the website for sure. (laughs) So anyways, uh, Cult cult, uh, Cult Classic Cult Collections put this out, which they do decent work. They're basically the olive of Germany, but they actually do special features and stuff if you can understand it because sometimes they don't have subtitles or an English track. (laughs) Um, But they put out – they have a ton of movies. They have Split Second. They have The Giver. They have Double Dragon. They have Steel Dawn. They have um, American Karate Fighter. They have Blood Diner. They've done a great job of releasing some. They're coming out with Class of 1999. Oh, God. They're coming out with Class of 1999 on Blu-ray in October. You don't understand how excited I am. I don't even care if it's a DVD transfer on that. I am happy. I just jizzed in my pants. But anyways, I'm super excited. So anyways, The Giver, um, it's very underrated. I, I, I would say because it was one of those films that kind of got shoved under the rug. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Usna uh, produced it, so you kind of know kind of where it goes as far as gore. Um, and uh, Steve Wang actually directed it, um, who directed the sequel, but he also directed one of my favorite action movies, I would say top ten action movies of all time, called Drive, with uh, Mark Dacascos, Kadeem Hardison, uh, Brittany Murphy, Um I know that sounds like a weird lineup. Is that the one with is, is Sylvester Stallone in it? Or is that the different one? That's Driven. Driven. <laughs> no, no Drive, was, gotcha. Drive was made in the 90s and has Mark Dacascos, Um And it is just an ultimate fucking fighting movie. Um, I have loved this movie ever since. Like, if you want to and, watch... And not the Ryan Gosling movie. Not, not the Ryan Gosling movie. Damn. If you want to watch one of the best, I am being serious. I'm not joking. One of the best choreographed action movies of all time, it's Drive. Like the fight scenes are actually incredible. I on was reading, my list. I was reading an article, something of Mark Dacascos, where he, um, a lot of the stuntmen were students of his. So when he, he was actually hitting them because they knew how to take his punches. <laughs> So, like, these movies, like, in the movie, they're making direct contact with one another. And it looks, and it looks like it hurts, man. It's definitely, like, it's up close. It's in your face. Like, punches are landing. There's no cutaways, breakaways. You know, of course, there's stunt guys, too. But, man, these people are really hitting one another. They're really hitting shit. They're really falling. Like, it's, it looks like, you feel like you walk out of the movie, you're exhausted. Because you're like, man, I just felt like I got my ass kicked. Is that available on um, DVD anywhere? Yeah, it's on DVD. Um, it's goofy, it's corny, it's fucking weird as shit, it's got robots, it's got bazookas, <laughs> it's got Mark Dacascos, it's got the weirdest, most annoying Brittany Murphy character in the world, um, but it is fucking primetime. Steve Wang knows how to direct action, and that shows also, which we're actually talking about the Giver here. Right, um, right. So <laughs> the Giver is basically a, uh, a scientist is on the run. He has what they call the Giver. A group of people are after this uh, device. It falls into the hands of uh, a young man who's a martial artist who actually activates it. Um, and basically it embeds itself into your brain in a way. And it, you wear a suit, a protective suit around it uh, known as the Giver. And um, it turns out that the people who are after it can actually morph into monsters. They're from another planet, in a way, um, and they can morph into monsters. So it's basically kind of like a Power Rangers thing at the, as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, 
God, what's his name? He's from the Hills Have Eyes, and he's a bald dude. Um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's like one of my favorite people. What the fuck? Michael Berryman. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So Michael Berryman is uh, one of the lead henchmen. Um, and these people, like, as soon as they want to fight, they just, like, rip off their skin and they turn into, like, you know, these monsters. There's fucking so many monsters in the movie. It's so badass. Like, there's four main ones. And then monsters just start showing up. Like, henchmen come up and they're like, oh, we're mon- oh, we got to be monsters now. And it's like, <laughs> boom. You know, uh, Jeffrey Combs is in it. He plays Dr. East, which I think is hilarious because he's obviously Dr. Weston reanimator. Um, but, um, you know, he like shreds his clothes. He becomes a monster. This is monster fighting galore, um, which is really cool on this because, uh, cult classic collections very much on board. Like they only do the uncut and remastered movies. They want everything to be uncut. So they put together an HD master, but they also spliced in, um, elements of the really hardcore gore that they filmed that they didn't put into the actual movie. Oh, really? So like, um, because in a way this movie is PG 13. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a fun little, you know, action movie for, even for kids, you know, it's appropriate. Um, but there's like some scenes where they're like, you know, got some really hardcore gore going on. Um, you know, it's like split second stuff, but you can obviously see the, like the, you know, the, um, the quality change in, in, in those scenes, but it's, it's nice to actually see what you know steve wang originally wanted to do but obviously toned it down to get that pg-13 rating uh mark hamill's in this as well um it's funny because they always promoted this movie with mark hamill like looks like he's in the guyver suit because it was always like a half and half face of the guyver's face (laughs) and mark hamill Mark Hamill's not the Giver, and it's always uh, they didn't do that on the cover of this, which I thought was pretty funny. I had always thought that he was the Giver. No, he's not. So I was in he's, for a surprise. He's actually, yeah, he's uh, he's the cop that's investigating the murder of the doctor. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert! And um, uh, who's after kind of uh, what's going on with this? Uh, you know, this this thing that these henchmen want. Um, but definitely, it holds up to an extent. It is really goofy. It is very like I was. I was expecting it to be a little bit more harder, like you know, with a little bit more teeth. But it is really just kind of a goofy uh, Power Rangers movie. It really is. But I I had fun um, revisiting uh, that, and I'm pretty excited to see the sequel. The sequel is on Vudu, actually, on HD by Lionsgate, Sweet. so uh, you can rent that. By the way, Drive uh, is only available on Amazon streaming to rent, but it's also, if you have if you have Showtime and you download the Showtime app, it's available through Showtime. What about the DVD? DVD's out of print, $49.99 on eBay. Dang, I got that shit, too. Um, yeah, dude, I fell in love with that movie when I saw it on TV. I'm going to rent this right now. Two ninety nine. And, I, and I'm not kidding. Like, I am a big action connoisseur. Like, we talk about horror, but one of my other favorite is 90s action movies. They're great. I will blow you away with my knowledge of 90s action right. movies. Well, I just, I just run a drive. I got 30 days to watch it, so I'll, top, I'll report back. Top 10 of all time. All <laughs> right. And then last but not least, um, I uh, got an advanced screening of this movie. This is in theaters right now. Um, I can't wait for you to watch it, Sean, because we talked about it. This movie's so fucking good. It is so good. It's called The Wailing. It's a um, it's a Korean, South Korean horror film. Um, 
about a man that's investigating this kind of illness that over overcomes this village and his daughter's being affected and all these mysterious uh, deaths and uh, murders are happening throughout the village. Um, it blends this comedy and horror and like just kind of nutty thriller so well together. You're laughing at one scene and then you jump at the next and it's like, and then it goes back to comedy, but it's not, it's not like where there's a rift where you're like, oh, that, or something that's jarring where you're like, oh, I was laughing. Now I'm supposed to be scared. What the fuck is this about? No, it like blends the both so well together. It's beautifully shot. Um, the little girl that acts in this movie needs to be like recognized ASAP. I have seen a lot of kids act in movies and there's a lot of good child actors, but this little girl, I don't know if they were really torturing her on set, but she can <laughs> scream and squeal and act like a total fucking nut just perfectly. I mean, obviously that's what most kids do. Um, but anyways, she, she is, uh, she's, she's great. Um, oh, dude, this is playing near me. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, it just got, um, I can't believe this is in theaters. It's in the like, way. there's a nearby college campus and there's the, the theater kind of gets more of the art house stuff and smaller stuff. It, there's, it, there's, it's playing near me. I'm not to go. Yeah, I want to go. I might might just go to the theater and watch this man. If you are, this is definitely a theater experience because the cinematography of this movie is fantastic. This is directed by, I can never fucking do Korean names. So apologize for the people that actually know Korean names. This is directed by, I'll just go through it. Hong Jin Na, but he is responsible for a movie called chasers. That is Bucking or the Chaser, sorry, Chasers is the um, the Dust, Dustin Hoffman or not Dustin Hoffman? What the fuck am I talking about? Dennis Hopper directed uh, movie, but anyways, yeah. that's totally off topic. Um, the Chaser, and then he directed a fucking kick-ass movie a few years ago called The Yellow Sea. Oh yeah, oh, the will, Chaser's great. I've seen that before. Yeah, and I will just say fucking hatchet fights for uh, Yellow Sea. If you want to see some kick-ass uh, action fucking yellow sea all the way so anyways this is a new movie this is his third uh feature um this time doing a a horror film um but it's it, like you say horror film and it's and it's kind of pushes over there's a lot of fucking creepy scenes like it's really creepy at times um but it also like it blends all these different genres at, at the same time um and it's super artsy as well and um uh john kunamara uh, John Kunimara, I guess is his name, but he played played on Audition. He uh, is in Kill Bill. Uh, he plays uh, uh, Boss Tanaka, um, who doesn't really have. It. Basically, he's the dude that gets his head chopped off. Um, but uh, he's he's been in a lot of uh, you know uh, you know kung fu uh, films like the hardcore uh, you know fighting Japanese or uh, Korean films. Um, he was in uh, Beat Takeshi's Outrage. Um, I'm kind of drawing a blank because I can't say a lot of the names uh, of those films um, that he's that he's been in. But um, he's a recognizable face. When you see him, you're like, oh shit, yeah, I've seen him in a, a lot of things before. Um, but the film gives this weird sense of I like I love dread. I love feeling. I love feeling that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's the scariest feeling that we can actually have in a movie. 
jump scares, whatever. I mean, movies that really make you nervous. Those that's scary to me. I mean, from you know, we talked about it. Follows, which I know a lot of people are on the fence with that, but like stuff like The Witch, you know, The Shining, the original Halloween, The Witch, um, and then the um, the Gift are two movies that the yeah, whole, the way, gift, whole like, way through, I just felt that right. You have like sense, that, you know, like it's just something in the pit of your stomach is yeah. just like turning. Also, like um, The Conjuring isn't like that, but they have a lot of scenes that are like that. Mm-hmm. Like one of the most effective scenes in the movie is when she thinks she sees something in the corner and there's nothing there as an audience member. We're looking, it's like, there's nothing there, but that little girl makes you believe there's something in that corner. Yeah. And that is fucking terrifying. And I love that shit. And that's what this film does. As soon as it sets it up, as soon as the credits start, you're just in, in the opening scene with one of the, the murders that has taken place. And you kind of see the aftermath and you see, uh, you know, they investigate where this person was living, and that's when the credit sequence starts, and you're like, holy shit, like, that's fucking weird, that's creepy. You have this whole thing where you're watching this kind of bumbling, silly cop, you know, this dad who doesn't have his shit together, um, is trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good cop, but is just a goofy dude in general, uh, kind of uncovering this... Uh, awfulness that is surrounding the village and he kind of has a clue of where it's stemming from um and it gets really weird it gets super weird and it's um it's just very effective it's very chilling um and it's just a really kick-ass unique story and just a badass little horror film um, so I'm really excited to see what people think about this because Koreans can make action films and they mm-hmm. can make dramas. Um, there's not a bunch of Korean horror cause sometimes they do that family side, like the, um, like Spanish, like some uh, for films from Spain do. Um, but, uh, they know how to do, they know how to rip into your guts and rip them out. And I, I love that about them. Like a lot of Korean films, uh, they even action films, they make you really attached to the characters. And that's what I really love it. Even though we're not, we don't maybe understand the culture if, if you're an American, um, but they, they appeal to everybody. Cause I can't imagine other countries watching some kind of these bullshit American films and relating to the characters, <laughs> but right. we can, even though we don't speak that language and we're not familiar, familiar with that culture, we can really attach ourselves to these characters because they're so believable. They don't go, you know, out of control. They don't they don't put a different try to be unique and do a spin. They just pick ordinary people. And that's what I really like about it. Even their action stars that pick up a knife and kill everybody. Like, you know, hey, we can at least relate to why they're probably picking up the knife and killing people. Right. But I, I don't know. I, I, I almost feel that I get more Korean cinema than I do some, uh, some American cinema, but um, definitely if it's in your area, support it. I think Wellgo is, mm-hmm. uh, of course, I don't think Wellgo is the people behind that pick, pick this up and that are distributing it um, along with 20th century Fox is helping them. So I think that's how they're getting this thing into a lot of theaters because um, mostly Wellgo picks up stuff all the time and puts it on Blu-ray. Um, they're starting to do more horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and, prices are always, the Blu-rays are always super cheap. Yeah, the thing is, it's going to be a Best Buy for like ten bucks because mm-hmm. mostly that's how they all end up at Best Buy. And the thing is, if you see Wellgo on the side, not, 
seven, eight out of ten times, you're going to get a decent movie. I'm just saying. You might have to sit there for three hours because it's mostly Korean films. <laughs> uh, this movie clocks in at two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, it's pretty long. Um, but it is so good. Like after it's done, you're like, man, I can't believe that was two hours and 35 minutes or 45, whatever, how long it is. It's at least two hours and 30 minutes, but you just sit there and you're like, shit, that went by quick. And that was a fucking cool movie. So, um, yeah, definitely watch the wailing when it comes out or go see it at the theaters. That way we can get more films like this. Nice. Um, at, uh, at the theater. So anyways, that's it. Very cool. Oh, Hey, I forgot one. I, I took my kids to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows. Oh, yeah. And we had a blast. If you like the cartoons and the nonsensical nature of those, it follows the same type of uh, pattern. I heard that the people that were kind of on the fence and didn't really care for the original uh-huh. um, or the, the, you know, the, the last one, that this one's a lot more appealing. It's just, you know, it's a Ninja Turtle movie and it go it gets into Krang and all the sci-fi stuff too and it's you know, it's not a great movie. Um they're still using like Megan Fox as eye candy, which there's a scene where she has to change into like a Catholic schoolgirl type outfit cuz she's trying Jesus to Christ. be undercover and follow a guy. And that's, you know, it's like come on, really are we still doing that to Megan Fox? Um but other than that, yeah, who the fuck is Megan Fox anymore? Like Let's just like, like I, I don't know I, that type of stuff. Is she, like she literally, I mean, it's it's. I mean, I love Jennifer's body, but she can't act at all. She's no. in the original Turtles movie. That's one of the reasons why it's so bad. Yeah, she's you know whatever. She's she's the same in this. But the thing about the 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 fun thing about this movie is, is they get the relationship and the the turtle characters like I think so right and so fun. Um, there's just I I I laughed a lot. The kids enjoyed it. And, you know, if you, I mean, I liked the first one for what it was. It, it, it is what it is. You know, this is a better, better as far as more fun. Um, same kind of nonsensical type plot there, you know, it, it's the same type of plot you would find in the cartoon. So that could, you know, take that however you, you want to. But, uh, if you're a fan of the, of the cartoons, especially, it's not, they're not going dark and gritty like the comics. They're, if you're a fan of the turtle cartoons, like there's a lot to have fun with here and it's just, you know, popcorn entertainment. Um, if your kids are getting into Ninja Turtles or whatever, if you have kids, like definitely, you know, my kids had a blast. Even the three year old, even though we had to do like three or four potty breaks and, uh, I think the guy at the end of the aisle was about to punch me. Uh, he enjoyed it for what it was as well. <laughs> I don't know. It, you know. It's not high endorsement, but it's it's a lot funner than the last one. And uh, if you're if you like the Ninja Turtles, check it out. Plus, they like you know they 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 force Krang into the whole thing, and it makes no sense why he would be there. But uh, it's great seeing Krang realized on film. I don't know. Hey, I I enjoyed one sequence in. Uh... And then, and the new Ninja Turtle, the, the last one. So. The mountain scene where they're going down the mountain? No, dude, that was terrible. It was just, <laughs> it's the, the only time that they ever got it right was in, in the, the elevator. The elevator, yeah. Yeah, that's the a, only yeah. time you watch it and you're like, this is the Turtles that I know. They get that into the new film. Like that type of camaraderie See, that's, and that's, that fun aspect that's of That's all I them. want is I want that kind of brotherhood. Yeah. Um, you know, buddy, buddy type thing. 
and you know we didn't get that with the last. They one. still do kind of the squabbling, and they're trying to build the team. But there's there's moments, and especially the beginning, because they're watching a, a basketball game. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah, it, they they nail that, and they finally expand it into the film. Um, as far as that goes, the turtles I loved. Like the animation, I think they look great. I think they really emote the characters and the comedy, and you know, I don't know. It is what it is. All I'm right. definitely going to go see it because um, Willow really likes it. So, But we're probably going to go see The Conjuring 2 first, just saying. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. So, all right. Let's, uh, let's dive into these, this, this Arrow box set. Yes. But first, we got to get some news from Josh Obershaw, and then we'll do that. Alright, Josh Obershaw has joined us for the news. What's up, dude? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. How's everything in Streamcast land? <laughs> Everything's going well. Um, so quite a few things got announced. So I think, you know, I think we, were, we weren't uh, news starved, that's for sure. Uh, nope. <laughs> Especially today, there were stuff even coming in today. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep track of this stuff, but I think I've got <laughs> it. So let's let's get right down to it. And I want to start with uh, Shout Factory because they've got some really cool stuff coming across all of their like their little labels. Mm-hmm. I want to start with uh, Shout Factory proper because they just announced today that they're partnering up with Hasbro to release nineteen. 19- Six's Transformers the movie. Oh yeah, and that and that's coming out September thirteenth. I don't have any more details other than that. That is on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, the last time this was out on home video was put out, I believe, in two thousand and six, right before the first live-action movie came out. So I'm happy to have this again because, yeah, it's a pretty bad movie, but it's <laughs> it's it's freaking awesome. I still love it. I prefer this one over the live action movies any day of the week. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, I watch this and <laughs> and I own all the the DVD sets of the cartoon. So there's one DVD set that I haven't got, and it was basically the Japanese version of the Transformers movies, uh, or the Transformers cartoons. Oh, really? It's like a Japanese, and it's like I guess it's more violent and a little more I, I don't know, but but they took I don't know if they took those and repurposed them into the U.S. television series or something, but it's 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 different, and I've been wanting to check it out. So it's been on my list to grab. With but Transformers, otherwise... I'm not sure, but but with Voltron, yeah, the Volt uh, the the Lion version of Voltron that was a Japanese anime that was extremely violent. They had to cut a lot of that stuff out. So right, they like that they, Voltron. The they, they they blended two different animes together, didn't they? Uh, Robotech is actually is three different Ro- animes. Robotech? Robotech, right? That's yeah, the one that did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get. I'm get. I get them all confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's really confusing when uh, you know these American companies bring these properties from when they used to bring these foreign properties over and just 
chop them out, chop them up, repurpose them, redub them, all of this kind of stuff. It does get confusing when you're dealing with, you know, these older properties that were brought over in the 80s. Yeah. Cool. So keep an eye out for Transformers the movie. It's coming back September 13th. And if we get a, a list of bonus features, we'll let you know when, when we get that. Moving on to uh, Shout Select, they announced they're going to be putting... Uh, we mentioned this uh, about a couple of weeks ago, that they're going to be putting out both of the Bill and Ted movies on Blu-ray. Well, it's yes. coming out as Bill and Ted's most excellent collection. Oh, yeah. Uh, the best part about this is they're actually teaming up with the, uh, the action figure company, NECA, to do a little deluxe offer. I say little, but anyways... This deluxe edition is going to come with an 8-inch action figure of Rufus. Nice. It's also going to come with a couple of stickers, a Wild Stallions pick, and uh, it's a little pricey. It's a, it's $80, but, I mean, if you're a huge Bill & Ted fan, yeah. Order it from Shout Factory, directly from Shout Factory. You get it two weeks early, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're only limiting that to 1,500 copies, so get on that pre-order now. But if you're not interested in all that extra stuff, then uh, Bill & Ted's most excellent collection comes out on September 20th. Cool. Next up, uh, speaking of limited goodies, we have an update on something we told you about last week. We told you Screen Factory are putting out John Carpenter's The Thing, well, we have an initial list of extras, and it's a big list, so uh, bear with me. So, what's new? A 2K scan of the inner positive, supervised and approved by Director of Photography Dean Cundy. A new 4.1 uh, stereo soundtrack. A new audio commentary with Dean Cundy. A new featurette called The Men of Outpost 31. Interviews with Keith David, Thomas Waits, Peter Maloney, and more. Assembling and Assimilation. This is an interview with uh, editor Todd Ramsey. Behind the Chameleon. Interviews with visual effects artist Peter Curran and Susan Turner. Special effects makeup artist Rob Berman and Brian Wade and said to be more. Next up is Sounds from the Cold, interviews with supervising sound editor David Lewis Udall and special sound effects designer Alan Haworth. Next up, Between the Lines, an interview with novelization author Alan Dean Foster. Nice. An audio comment. Isn't that cool? Yeah. An audio commentary with director John Carpenter and actor Kurt Russell. I'm assuming this is a, a port from the Collector's Edition uh, DVD. And... Thank goodness, John Carpenter's The Thing, Terror Takes Shape, will also be ported over. Also, outtakes, vintage featurettes from the electronic press kit, vintage featurettes, a vintage production reel. Let's see, vintage behind-the-scenes footage. Here's another interesting uh, little bonus feature. It's going to include the network TV broadcast version of The Thing, and that's going to clock in at 92 minutes. So it's Kind of the same thing that the Halloween box set did. They also released the uh, the TV version of Halloween 2. 
So that's the tentative list. Nice. It's not the final list, so we're probably going to have a l- more bonus features to list off. So. <laughs> now, there was a deluxe offer attached to this title, but unfortunately, just 12 hours after the pre-orders went up, it sold out. Oh, well, I mean, it's just it's just an extra slipcase and an extra poster. So, like, for me, like, yeah, they just do the like- same thing with... um. Um, Return of, of of the Living Dead, right? They did the same type of thing. Yes, and like the the original box art already looked really good. The the new box art they used, so I was like, well, you know, <sighs> I mean, what am I gonna do with two slipcases? I guess <laughs> I guess I can sell one of them because I've I've done that before. <laughs> oh, I, I've sold okay. a lot of the slipcases <laughs> of my Scream Factory stuff because I I like the uh, original poster art most of the time. So, yeah. and I haven't really liked, like, Sleepaway Camp, like, I can't, I didn't really like the artwork for those. So I, I sold those, like, five bucks a pop. eBay. But, uh, lately, though. I think you're just giving. Lately, I think you're just giving people some ideas. Well, you know, if people are going to pay that for a piece of cardboard, they're, whatever, go for it. I mean, but, but you know, some people, <laughs> that's what they like about the collection, and they weren't getting the slipcases because they were buying them, like, second pressings or whatever. So I was able to help people out. You know, it's, it's, just, you know. Um, but, but I will say that Screen Factory's new art they've been doing has been getting a lot better. So I've been keeping the uh, artwork, the, the slipcases for those, like Serpent uh, and the Rainbow, like that art's awesome. Um, Pumpkinhead, that artwork was awesome. So I kept those slipcases. The thing looks great. So the original one that they're going to do. So I really, really didn't care about the limited edition that much anyway. Oh, okay. So that's, you know, that's just me. So, all right, what we got? Hey, next? that's cool. I mean, uh, I got a couple of thing, a couple of more things from Screen Factory. Uh, <laughs> they just uh, pushed back the release date for uh, Brian De Palma's Raising Cain, and they pushed that back to September thirteenth. Now, supposedly, that's because they're still working on the bonus features, which means we're probably going to get some really special stuff with that one. And, and finally, from Screen Factory. They're going to be releasing the 1983 sci-fi movie Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. And yes, it will be in 3D. <laughs> this movie looks insane. I'm not expecting it to be good at all, but I totally want to see it. Trust me, Sean. I've seen this. I've seen this since I was a kid. It's not <laughs> that great. But uh, I still want it. Right, I know, huh? Yeah, that's how it is with these these goofy things. Uh, that's it from the uh, the Screen Factory side. Now we've got some uh, got a couple of more um, titles from Code Red to tell you about. Okay. Uh, yep, they got a couple of action movies on the horizon. One's called Nam Angels, and the other one's called Cocaine Wars. Yeah. But the big, I've never. You've heard of this one? I know the title's amazing though. <laughs> <laughs> it's so eighties, I can tell. With a title like that. Yeah. But the big one that I want to talk about is 1974's Beyond the Door. Ooh. This is that uh uh Exorcist's Rosemary's Baby sort of rip off cash mm-hmm. in <coughs> excuse me. Uh, this movie is bonkers. 
it's bonkers in a good way, but it, it, it's just, it, it's one of those movies you just have to see to believe. And unfortunately we don't have a release date for this yet. So we, we don't have that many details. Code red, but when we do, we'll let you know, because I think this is going to be a very popular title. I know this was out on DVD for the longest time. They were, they would they were selling it, so it looks like he finally upgraded it. Yeah, it's, it's been on DVD since uh, 2008, also Code Red. They actually had two editions. They had a single-disc version and uh, a two-disc version, which I used to own. And um, most likely, the Blu-ray is going to be the European, the longer European cut, which is also known as The Devil Within Her. But the the U.S. theatrical cut, which is the version I prefer because that's how I first saw it, uh, that was included on the second disc. And the transfer, not really that great, guys. Hmm. I mean, I can wish all I want for a better transfer of that version to be included on the Blu-ray, but I don't know. I'm not holding my breath for that. (laughs) Which is sad because it's a fun movie, especially if you see it with an audience. You know, I've never seen it, so I need, I'm looking forward to checking this one out. So that's all the news I have for uh, Code Red. Next up, I got a, a quick update from Kino Lorber. We have a release date for the, uh, the 1970 sequel to The Blob, known as Beware the Blob. Commentary by film historian Richard Harlan Smith, alternate title sequence, and some trailers. And I've also got a update on Scorpion releasing's Don't Go in the House. The release date for this has been pushed back to August, and the reason why is because the commentary track that they recorded wasn't syncing up with the movie. And what they come to find out is that the version they're putting out is a longer cut by about nine minutes. So they have to go back and possibly re-edit or record more commentary to make it longer so it will sync up with the movie. Wow. So (laughs) It's funny how these bonus features, you know, get made. Yeah. Especially hearing about them on social media, you get like a little insight on how these things come about. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, it's just it's very interesting how the prints that they get, and and I didn't really learn all this till I started doing this podcast. Just how the behind the scenes of how a movie basically makes it from a vault somewhere to, you know, to your home and on on a Blu-ray. I mean, they're not just it's just the transferring of it. The sometimes they discover that the print they have or the negative they have is missing things or has extra stuff like. It's, you know, there's a lot more going on than um, just a company being negligent or whatever. Like, there's there's a lot of roadblocks, I think, especially with older films that all these companies can run into. And I know that, um, you know, certain companies have been better about being a little more transparent. Um, I know that, like, the biggest one, I think, the biggest disappointment was the whole, like, how Windscreen Factor did Dog Soldiers and how that the print they ended up using was just awful. just didn't look good. And, um, but they didn't even offer any, any current, you know, transfers like, all right, here's all the three transfers we have. We're going to throw them all on a disc for you to choose which one you want to watch, you know, which arrow does that. 
But um, yeah. But you know, it's one of those things. Like they they got the rights to the movie, and then they thought they had the elements, and then they didn't, and then they had to scramble to try to find something decent, and you know. So same thing with I think the movie Ravenous, same type of thing. You know, people were giving it giving it the the transfer a lot of crap, but um. You know, could could some companies oh. handle handle things better and be more transparent and let people know what's up? Yeah, probably. But I think I think Screen Factory especially has learned their lesson and they they've been a more you know, a little more transparent with stuff. But um, yeah, you know, just it's it's crazy. I mean, there's there's so many different wheels turning when a company gets the rights to a film. You know, it's never just a simple thing. So cut them some slack is all I'm saying. Cut us some slack. Oh, sure. Unless it's oh, October sure. Blood. Then Uh-oh. you can complain about that all you want because that was a shitstorm. So, all right. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, all you Basket Case fans out there, uh, Basket Case 2 and 3 are coming to Blu-ray. Synapse are putting those out. And let's see, the bonus features for the second film include an interview with Half Moon actor David Emge, who a lot of people may know for the original Dawn of the Dead. Next, Beyond the Wicker, which is a behind-the-scenes featurette from special effects makeup artist Gabby Bartolos, and also a reversible cover art with newly commissioned front piece by Joel Robinson. Unfortunately, Basket Case 3, The Progeny, all it all it has is the original theatrical trailer and a reversible cover. But there are, but the transfers are gonna be are gonna be pretty good. They're uh, beautiful high def transfers from original 35 millimeter camera negatives and vault materials. Oh, and the best part about these two, they're gonna be region free. So sweet. Yay. I think I own the UK Trilogy Blu-ray Steelbook. And I think oh, nice. that was region free as well. I think. So it'll be interesting to see. Synapse is probably going to strike a new transfer, so it's probably going to look pretty badass. Synapse, man, their stuff always looks really good. And those two movies in particular, well, well, something weird was is the ones who put out the first movie, but with the sequels, th- these sequels are just so amazing to look at, which is odd thing to say, comparing <laughs> that, you know, with all the creature designs and everything. Yeah. I'm expecting the, for these just to look absolutely gorgeous. And, um, okay. Next up, I've got blue sunshine. This is the 1976 film from director, Jeff Lieberman. Uh, Lieberman actually took it upon himself to put this out on Blu-ray. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a three to set with a commentary with Lieberman moderated by Elijah Trenner, a select scene commentary with actor Mark Goddard, theatrical trailer scanned in high definition, the locations of Blue Sunshine featurette, a Q and A at the Jump Cut Cafe, rest in peace, <laughs> uh, vintage classroom LSD scare film scanned in high definition. Uh, Fantasy Film Festival with Mick Garrison, Jeff Lieberman, a slideshow and image gallery, and exclusive interviews with Lieberman, script supervisor Sandy King, co-star Robert Walden, and actor Richard Crystal. 
Now, um, he's releasing this movie under the name Film Centrics, and this is scheduled to come out on Blu-ray on June 13th, and they said pre-orders were going to be up on June 1st, but I haven't seen any pre-order links, so I don't know what's up with this one, to be honest with you. Hmm. This was kind of under... This was actually kind of under the radar, and one of our uh, Ryan actually told me about this, so I looked it up as best as I can, and that's the information I got for Blue Sunshine. Cool. So yeah, a lot of people excited about this. I know when the when the when the post went up, there's a lot of people very happy about that. And last but not least, I've got one more for you, Sean. God, it's such a busy week. <laughs> Severin. Severin are going to be putting out on Blu-ray for the first time Dr. Butcher, M.D. Yes. This one, this one is going to be a two-disc set, which not only includes Dr. Butcher, M.D., but also the European cut known as Zombie Holocaust. And also, as a little bonus, the first 5,000 copies, you get the official Dr. Butcher barf bag. <laughs> now, the now I want to run down the list of bonus features for this set because the bonus features kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into the marketing campaign for this film. Disc 1 includes Dr. Butcher, M.D., also the featurette Down on the Deuce, which is a nostalgic tour of 42nd Street with Temple of Shock's Chris Pagiali and filmmaker Roy Fumks. Or Frumks? Hope I said that right. (laughs) Uh, Frumks' segment of the unfinished anthology film Tales That Will Tear Your Heart Out. A featurette entitled The Butchermobile. This is an interview with Gore Gazette editor and Butchermobile barker Rick Sullivan. A rare on-camera interview with the reclusive Sullivan about the rise and fall of his infamous zine and the outrageous story behind the New York street marketing of Dr. Butcher, M.D. Next, Cutting Dr. Butcher, which is an interview with editor Jim Markovic. An illustrated essay, Experiments with a Male Caucasian Brain, and Other Memories of 42nd Street by Gary Hertz. And next are trailers, one theatrical and two video release trailers for Dr. Butcher, MD. This, too, not only contains a zombie holocaust, but this is supposedly going to be, for the first time ever, the uncut version of Zombie Holocaust on NHD. Severin explains, previous releases of Zombie Holocaust have excised a five-minute sequence from the middle of the movie and only included it as an inferior quality deleted scene. This sequence has now been restored into the movie, transferred from the original 16mm negative as it was originally released. In addition, previous disc disc releases have used video-generated titles which have now been restored from the original film source. Also, a new color correction pass and further restoration have been undertaking, making this the definitive release to date of Zombie Holocaust. Now, the uh, featurettes include Voodoo Man, interview with star Ian McCulloch, who people know from movies like Zombie and Contamination, Blood of the Zombies, interview with effects master Rosario Prestopino, a featurette called 
uh, filmmaker Enzo G. Castellari remembers his father, director Marino Girolami. Next featurette, Sherry Holocaust, interview with actress Cheryl Buchanan. Uh, neurosurgery, Italian style. This is an interview with effects artist Maurizio Trani. Featurette, New York filming locations then versus now. A look at the Big Apple locales as they are today. As an audio bonus, you get Ian McCulloch sings Down by the River. Back in 1964, McCulloch cut a folk music single early in his career. It's included here, visually enhanced by stills from his personal archive. Plus, you also get trailers for the international and German trailers for Zombie Holocaust. So you can pre-order your copy of Dr. Butcher MD from Severn. And this one is coming out this summer, July 26th to be exact. So, fuck yes. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. This one blows, uh, I think 88 Films did Zombie Holocaust, but I think this is going to blow that out of the yep. water for sure. Yep. Very Easily. cool, man. Oh, that's it for you, Sean. Awesome. I did it. <laughs> Thank you very much for all, all your hard work on the website. We really appreciate it. And, uh... We'll, uh, we'll be talking next week. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more announcements. And our, our, our pocketbooks, oh, sure. our wallets will all weep yet again. <laughs> As so shall we. Yeah. All right, Josh. Talk to you next week. Thank you. See you next week, guys. Later. All right, uh, the box set we are talking about today is called Death Walks Twice out via Arrow Video. Uh, another one of their awesome-looking box sets, just like the last one. Um, uh, Killer Dames. I had a brain blank all of a sudden. But Killer Dames, American Horror Project... Um, we need to get to these Japanese ones with like Outlaw Gangster VIP and, 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 uh, like their box sets are really fun. I wish they would have used this type of box for the Bride of Reanimator. Cause Bride of Reanimator box seems a bit flimsy, but, yeah. um, but I love their heart, the hard boxes. It seems they use these for like two or more movies. And, um, you know, as far as the aesthetics, putting it on your shelf, they all look great. I got like, Four of the Arrow releases all side by side, and it makes me happy. Yeah, no, they do some uh, great work. So these are two, I mean, I haven't heard of these Giallo films. They're by uh, Luciano Ercoli, and I haven't heard of them. Um, after watching the Killer Dames one, I was kind of hoping for a little more kind of, I guess, batshit uh, exploitation, I guess, mixed with some Giallo. Um and I'm not a connoisseur of Giallo films. I've, I've seen a few, and I think fans of Giallo have been ex- been very uh, looking forward to this box set since it was announced. And um, the packaging that, that Arrow did seems to, you know, they, they treated this thing right. And I know a lot of people are, are really excited about it. Um, so we're going to talk about these two films. So we'll talk about them probably in chronological order, right? So the first um. one... Was, uh, were these released like 72 and 73? Yeah, they were released a year apart, but which one was first? I don't remember. Uh, Death, Death Walks at Midnight, I think was the first one. Let's talk about that second because that's a better movie. 
I'm kind of, I'm kind of confused. Which one, or was it Death Walks on High Heels? I don't know. I, we should talk about High Heels first, no matter what. All right. Um, because I'm looking at the back, and Death Walks on High Heels says 1971. Death Walks at Midnight says 1972. So yeah, okay, we're right. First line of the back of the box. I'm an idiot. Says the second film is Death Walks at Midnight. All right, let's talk about Death Walks on High Heels first. Yeah. So my I watched ex- them in reverse. Oh, uh, that's probably best. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, anyways, um, I'm a big. I, I've said it a few times. I'm a big Jello fan. Mm-hmm. I, I saw both of these films uh, just a few years ago. Um, so when they announced that, I was pretty excited because I know kind of they go hand in hand with one another. Um, and, and revisiting Death Walks on High Heels. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of this movie. It's uh, I, to me for a Giallo, it's a, a little bit more on the boring side. It does have some really cool factors uh, mm-hmm. to it. Um, we kind of have our black glove killer um, who wears, you know, kind of a, a balaclava type thing. Who has these shining blue eyes mm-hmm. um, as he uh, kills. But there's a lot of cool sequences in the films as far as like kills go. And kind of um, yeah. the uniqueness to uh, kind of the genre. Um, there's a really effective scene where he like grabs the woman and then pulls the shirt over her face mm-hmm. and then throws her down. Like I've been caught in my shirt in the bedroom before and that's terrifying. <laughs> um, I can't imagine if someone was doing that to me on purpose. You've been caught in, in, in the bedroom. Yeah. When you try to like take, or, you know, you go in the bedroom, take your shirt off and then your arm gets caught. No, I've, I've done of- that when I was, uh, I was, I was wearing shirts that I should have been wearing cause they're too small and I was getting fat. <laughs> and that would happen to me. Yeah, so um, like ah oh, shit, gotta diet. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty terrifying. So I can only <laughs> imagine like what that's like in real life, um, or you know I have experienced. So I can't imagine it being a killer. Yeah. Um, after you at the same time, um, but it has um, it has your normal kind of setup for Giallo. You have um, you know you have your model. Uh, that's being um, terrorized, basically, by your killer, your black killer. With this one, kind of has well, this one has a knife, um, but a very odd soundtrack as well. Yeah, it's it's good, but it's also very. It's just not. It doesn't pull you in. I just wonder if this was rescored. If I guess somebody took out the score and rescored it, I'm wondering how much if it would make it better. And I and I actually liked this one uh, more than I thought I would. And actually, I was very much into the story and the mystery of it. See, I feel, I feel like I feel that way with the sequel, Hmm. or not sequel, but the, the the second film. Um, that we're going to be talking about. I feel that that's more on board with uh, being kind of mysterious and, hmm. in a sense, more you know scarier. Not yeah. that it's you know scary whatsoever, but um, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 just a, it seems to me it's a very tame movie aside from a couple scenes. Um, there's that scene that's on the bed. 
uh, when they're like the guy looks through the peephole. Like that's a little gory. That the one, um, yeah, when he when he that that was for me it was really affecting when he just starts carving into the woman. I was right. Well, I was yeah. pretty shocked by that. I was like, oh my gosh! Like those, and it looks the as far as an effect goes, man, it looks really damn good. So yeah, no, I, I agree, and it and it does it does a certain things like that to mm-hmm. be more edgy. Yeah, and and to kind of push the limits with Giallo because. Jellos are always violent, and they're violence against women. But you also have um, kind of more of a... Both of these films have more of a lead with the woman uh, being more conscientious and, and more aware of what's going on and not being uh, kind of the misogynistic uh, outlook that a lot of these films have. Um, it, it plays its cards a little bit differently and kind of goes against the grain, which is another reason why I don't think it's as successful as a lot of the other Giallos because it holds back, it feels, on certain aspects. But when it gets violent, it does get super violent. Yeah. Which, um, which I can enjoy to an extent. It's just that I don't feel that there's enough story and mystery to go along side by side with everything else that's happening around the film. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. You know, I the only note that I wrote on this when I was watching it was how odd it was because she's the main character that we're introduced to right away. Uh, the woman, uh, her name escapes me right now, but she's like she's a dancer, and the first time you see her dancing, she's like in blackface. Yeah, Did you notice that? Like that Wait, was. No. The girl that's dan- the black girl that's dancing is black. No, she takes off her wig and it's the main, it's the, it's the girl cause she's, uh, she, her, you know, the main character, the guy that walks in and they're, you know. Yeah, cause he comes in and then he. No, that was our main character, I think. Cause the next, the next time she's dancing, she's like dressed like an Egyptian <laughs> kind of outfit. I'm, I can. Completely missed that. I know that I am dangerously bored in this movie. No, because she's talking about like taking off the makeup. Wow. Yeah. Unless I'm... I totally read that wrong, but I, I I'm pretty positive it was our lead character in blackface for the dance. The dance, you know, because the guy's doing the video of her. The the guy that she ends up uh, you're running away with. He has been going to the strip club and taking uh, t- a film, not video. Yeah, that, well, yeah, that's the guy, yeah, that's the guy that's recording her. Yeah, uh, and he like watches that doing. back, and he's watching that back later on in the film. He's watching her, and she's in the that blackface outfit. Odd, really odd. It's in there. <laughs> it's just I, like <laughs> I, I can't believe. Like I watched this movie just last week, and I like. Like again, it's I'll easy admit. to miss because at first I was like, "Oh, this is just just another dancer," and then I'm like looking at her closely, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's our main actress here." <laughs> God, dude, the seventies, man, the seventies. I am completely drawn a blank on on that. Wow. Yeah, I probably need to 
Yeah, Death see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thumbing through the Death Walks Twice booklet here, and it says, over the next 40 minutes, Navarro, still in blackface, has sex with her loser boyfriend because he likes it when you're all black, in quotes. I remember he says that. Gets some that. threatening phone calls, then runs into, into another club, sans blackface, to dance as some gold-plated disco Cleopatra. <laughs> right, because she's in there, she's dancing, and then she goes to her uh, wardrobe. And then he says, I like you when you're in black. Yeah. And But before that, he says, where else is she dancing? And he says, well, you better hurry. Or he wants to talk to her. And he said, you better hurry up because in 45 minutes, she's got another, uh, you know, another um, gig at down the street at the, you know, the, the other place, the gold, right. you know, the gold room. Or and that's where she's dancing as this Cleopatra. Crazy, crazy you stuff, know, man. That just that just blended to me. Like I didn't even pick <laughs> that up. Now I feel like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, like I said, if I wasn't paying attention, I would have. I could have glossed over it. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, I've seen this movie crazy. before, and I didn't like it, so I went in with okay. kind of uh, negative, uh, a negative outlook to it because I was like, man, I really didn't like this movie when I first saw it. But I apparently drown everything out while watching it. I just sit there as like a robot and I don't pick up anything. So, yeah, I would say I'll give it another shot, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, it, it for me is a is a is a decent one timer. I mean, I'm I'm not I don't haven't watched a lot of these. You know, I've watched quite a few Italian films, but I feel like the these are are. I'm kind of new to jumping into these. I liked the Killer Dames one better because they had more of a gothic feel. Oh, so there's a yeah. lot going on with the sets and they're open. These ones are very are filmed very much close up on the actors a lot. Um and they're, you know, they're more more of a contemporary settings in the 1970s and a lot a, a lot of dialogue. So I I mean, do you watch these with the uh the subtitles or do you watch them dubbed? Well, here's the thing. I watch them dubbed with the subtitles because what they say is different. Huh. So I like getting both translations. Gotcha. If if you want to really trip out and be freaky, turn on the <laughs> subs and the language and watch how different it is. Wow. So you kind of get it. You kind of get both of them going. I think my problem is I've, I've had such a huge, like I've been doing, I've had a very busy past couple of weeks and I'm, and I should have watched these dubbed just because I sit at a computer all day at work and I'm, you know, I, I draw an AutoCAD at work for, for a living. So doing that all day long and then trying to watch a movie, I, and then trying to read the subtitles, especially after a long day of staring at a computer screen, it conks me out. So I'm, I'm thinking I should have done, the dub, I think it would have had a different experience, but, but Death Walks Twice, man, I, I, I earned, um, the, uh, Death Walks and High Heels, I, I liked it for what it was. I think I liked it because the, the killer was somewhat interesting with the eyes and everything. And, um, I liked that they kind of play with your expectation as far as who the main character is and, and, um, you know, who's gonna, who, who's, who the killer is, which they don't really shy away from who it could be. And then, so there's that mystery of it. And then, um, you know, so I found a lot to like about it. It, uh, it took me, you know, a couple nights to get through it because I was kind of done and falling asleep after a while. But it, you know, I don't know if I'll ever revisit it again, but I want to dig into the special features. And a lot of times with these, like the more I kind of start digging into the supplemental stuff, 
the more I kind of, um, in like the film, I guess, rewatching it because I remember the things that I've either read or heard in interviews, things like that. So they help me appreciate the film more. So I'm wondering if that'll do, do it for me, you know, but, um, but I don't know. I mean, for what it is, it was, it was, it was all right. But, uh, the, the killer and a few of those, uh, gore scenes kind of, I, I think, if they if those weren't there, I probably wouldn't have liked as much. Yeah, because there's no you know, it's it's this definitely not exploitation. It's not on its mind. It's not trying like killer dames. Um, especially Evelyn came out of the grave. That one was very much exploitation. Or was that no? No, the other one was the queen that kills seven seven times. Yeah, well, both of those hard. had kind of some exploitation elements. This had less exploitation. It was more about being a mystery thriller. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, like I said, I will just let you do it because <laughs> I'm completely drawing a blank on the whole blackface thing. Like I, was, <laughs> I still don't know how I missed that. But again, like I said, I was uh, very in and out a lot through this movie just because I have seen it before. Um, and it, I just, it left a bad taste in my mouth prior. So, um, so the the main characters are uh, the actors are uh, Frank Wolf, Susan Scott, and Simon. Uh, is it Simone Andrew? Yeah, whatever, Simone. Whatever, whatever she's in this say. next. She's in the next films. Uh, Susan Scott and or is it Simon? It's probably I think it's Simon. Yeah, it's, she, it's she, guy. she's she's in the next film. Susan Scott is uh, is the woman, and I think it's Simon Andrew. I think he's the the guy in it because there's two of these characters are in both films. Two of the actors. So, uh, do you want to jump into the next one? Do you have anything else to say about Death Walks in high, on high heels? Um, other than it looks good, you know, Arrow definitely did a good job at uh, putting the set together because they have interviews, and I did watch the interview with um, the director and his uh, wife, who's also, you know, uh, basically the you know the star um, of the film. Um, it's an, it's it's enjoyable. I mean, it's. You know, it's basically them just looking back and laughing at uh, at what they did because it, this guy didn't direct <laughs> a whole lot, uh, you know, all that much either. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's they did a nice job for these little known more because I think No Shame put these out on DVD back in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, now, uh, you know, hope glad. I mean, No Shame did a, some great work because they were putting those films out, but um, you know, the releases weren't all that great. So it's nice to see this in HD because that's the last I last time I saw it was on DVD. Okay, and I think it's I think it's, the actor's name is pronounced Simone Simone Andrew. Anyway, sure. he was in Flesh and Blood from 1985. Fun fact. Mm. All right, so let's jump into. Death Walks at Midnight. Yes. The second film in the set. And this is the one that I, I watched first, and I I was so tired, man. I watched the first half hour, and I just conked out on the couch. This movie is not one to fall asleep in because it is kind of a mindfuck. It is. Um, it has the cool, that cool, like, weapon on that he, that the, uh... It has the glove. The killer, the glove spiked glove um yeah. that's p- 
pretty like a pretty cool murder it's weapon. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when you hit people with it. So Brad, can you help me with the the plot? Because I'm 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 a bit fuzzy on the setup of this one. Now this one, however, I really like. I think it has kind of this noir feel to it as far as like investigations and cops. Mm-hmm. Um it is basically a another model <laughs> yeah. who but she basically gets into this uh thing where she is being a um participant in trying this uh new drug that makes you hallucinate called HDS mm-hmm. um while she is on that hallucinogen she uh basically sees this killer with a spike glove kill this girl um but when she comes to it's a murder that happened actually months ago so she saw something that has already happened i know that sounds really weird but the movie just gets weirder and weirder and weirder yeah, I need, I, need, I need to rewatch this one. <laughs> no, that's literally what happens. Yeah. Is, is that you have the girl, she's on. That's the reason why I like this movie, too, is because it has a cool weapon, it has a cool killer, it uh, kind of lets you know, uh, kind of hints at the audience a little bit more than it does the character. And also, it just is a batshit crazy plot. Well, it's crazy because it's set up like he gives her this drug, basically. And then all of a sudden, he just starts taking pictures of her and kind of documenting her her trip for basically for, I believe, for a magazine article. Well, it is – like here's the thing is the plot is a little convoluted. And um, I've seen this a few times. And each time I watch it, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Because, like, it's just, like, it's not pieced, it's not edited well. Um, because it, it, it jumps, uh, back and, back and forth. Um, uh, but this one kinda hurts your brain in a way because <laughs> you're trying to figure out exactly kinda what the plot is because she sees basically this killer out yeah. and about and she's like, wait, that's who did it. And they're like, wait a second, we already caught the killer and he's dead. Yeah. And then, but she has seen in her eyes. So basically that triggers this guy and you see him front, full frontal, like you see his face and then he's like, oh shit, this bitch knows. Why are they after me now? And then goes after her. So it's a, it's a very odd setup, but it's unique though. I, I really enjoy it to, to, in the sense of, it trying to be something completely different. And I think that's a cool ass plot to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's different than the normal, like, you know, yeah. Killer stalking, beautiful women. I mean, it has the slasher element of yeah. course, to it, but, um, and giallo, uh, side, but it really does kind of do this new thing because, uh, of, of this drug that's involved and her basically trying to, talk sense into the police saying, wait, this is the guy that killed the girl. And now he's after me, but obviously this guy is already fessed up and the killer has been caught and he's dead. So, um, 
but and this is another film that has some hardcore uh, gore. Obviously, if you have a glove with spikes on it and you're punching people, you can only imagine the damage that could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and also cutting cutting people because there's a lot of cutting as well. Um, but you know this it has a it has a very uh, kind of very, very much of the same soundtrack uh, to, to this film. It was funny because I even said that with um, the Red Queen and, um, you know, in the Killer Dames set. Yeah. Both of those films have very similar uh, soundtracks, you know, almost like they were used, uh, you know, obviously back to back as, as, you know, the same soundtrack. Uh, very much just like this one. And, and it's odd, uh, them doing that but i also i guess that saves money in the long run um you know because they don't have to really they just remix it or something like that um but this is definitely one of the better this is definitely the better one in the set and um does another does take giallo in in a different direction so, um, and it's also very colorful, like most yellows, but this, this uses color, uh, a lot to tell a story. Like I always mention Pedro Almodovar when I talk about color and everything in his films. And this one definitely does that. It, it, um, it tells another story by color. It's very pretty too, you know, there's, and it's, um, I don't know, I like the style of, of film and the set pieces. I, I think it's, I think it's really really unique and cool um as far as a look for a giallo film yes anything, anything you would like to no you just like- <clears throat> that that the glove that was used in uh blood and black lace that kind of weapon wasn't it so right that's where it seems familiar from well yeah i mean it's 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 very similar yes is that is that using the some other giallos um, I mean, they do, they use knives, they use, uh, steel blades, they yeah. use, uh, you know, the sharp, uh, the edge, the, the, the beard, um, uh, straight razor. Yeah. Straight razors. I mean, but the glove is like, just, it seems so like, like personal and like brutal. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a very visceral, you know, image to have that as, as the murder weapon. But, um, the the composer you were talking about, um, I just had his name. Shoot. What was his name? Dang it. His last name is uh, Ferrio. And I just had it. I was like, had my finger on it, and I just totally uh, moved moved it away. Anyway, he's, he's done like a lot of stuff along with, because um, he was doing a lot of things at the same time as... Um, all these other uh, composers, you know, Mar- Marconi and Dang, what's his name? Anyway. I don't know, Sean. Yeah. Um, but, you know, another thing about this film is that it does, you know, another thing without spoiling anything, it does take some twists and turns, which I also enjoy that uh, it really tries deep down to be kind of a murder mystery because it, it, you see so much on the surface already that it ends up surprise keeps on surprising you, uh, doing a lot of, uh, twists and turns. And I think 
that's also a lot of fun because most of these yellow films, we, as soon as we're 15 minutes in, we're like, Oh, that's who the killer is. And this is why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this one, it's like, wait, we know who the killer is already, but it keeps surprising you, even though it gives it away uh, fairly quickly, which I also admire for for the film. Well, it just gets it just gets crazier and crazier as as the film goes on. It's and then, a loony movie, and then the, I mean the the fight scenes near the end are just hilarious, because um, they when they do the whenever a punch is landed, it's like the most vicious sounding punch. I think that I've heard in movies since like Indiana Jones, you know, now, Indiana Jones movies, the, the punches are also are just like sound almost like a, like a gun. Right. No, no. it's the same kind of idea with these, like with the, when they start punching each other, it's great. And they, they fly around like they're, they're going all out. It's really, it was really funny. It's a fun movie. Yeah. So, um, definitely, um, I, I would pick it up. If you're a hardcore Giallo fan, I think that you'll, uh, thoroughly enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I might be alone on, on not liking the first one, but that's just, that's just me. <laughs> it's okay. Gianni Ferrio. That's the composer. Damn it. Anyway. Sorry, it was bugging me. I had to look it up. Thanks for clarifying. No problem. Appreciate it. Yeah, these these movies seem to be in very high regard with um, with fans of Italian film. I know that uh, there's a f- few people that I follow on Facebook that are th- that like this a lot. Um, and someone I follow on, uh, on on Instagram, he's always watching Italian film, and and uh, you know this this is a very anticipated this was a very anticipated box set here. Yeah, they're they're popular they're popular films. So this does have the extended TV version of uh, Death Walks at Midnight. Yeah, I saw that on the back. I, I didn't get to check it out, but um, I would like to see what they actually edited out for uh, for television. I'm I'm sure it'd be the gore, any of the gore stuff, like the girls had being punched in. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I wanted I wanted. I want to dive into the special features. I just didn't have time to, but, uh, like I said, I, w- I mean, I wasn't, uh, I was hoping to love this set as much as I did the killer Dame set right off the bat, but this one may take a little bit of work, I think on my part. So I'm going to do my, my due diligence and, uh, you know, dive into all the special features and, and, uh, see how that affects, you know, my, my judgment, I guess of this box set. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad I own it. Like, it'll be, this is the fun, when you start diving into more Italian films, these will be fun to kind of, I think, revisit compared to once I start watching more, uh, more of these. And, um, but, um, but yeah, you know, I wish I was more enthusiastic about it. Wow, but, you uh, don't seem happy at all about this, Sean. I do. I'm glad I have it. I, just, I think there's so many factors going on with, uh, me being so tired and knocking off into the films. It took, it took me forever to get, to finally get through all this. So, so I don't know, but, but see with the killer dames, I was able to watch both movies in one day. I had a very lazy Saturday one day and I was able to just sit back and enjoy. So, so we'll see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just gotta do, I just gotta do the work and see how, 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 how I'm affected. 
I hope <laughs> I, I hope you enjoy yourself, Sean. No, I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of great Jello films. It's just that um, you know I think there's a lot you know the style. Um, is looked at a lot more than the actual stories. Mm-hmm. But those, that's the reason why Argento, I think, is so popular. Um, because his movies look great, but the, the movies themselves aren't the best. And they're good movies, and they're fun. But, um, you know, something I think, like, if you really want to watch a badass giallo that's actually scary, is The Fifth Chord with Franco Nero. Mm. That's a great giallo film. You know, yeah, I keep hearing you talk about it. I need to watch it. Um, another one, it's not considered giallo by many, but it is, trust me, I know what I'm talking about, is Night School. Um, it, it's uh, it's an American film, but it's uh, very much like a giallo black gov killer that drives a motorcycle, has the helmet on. You know, it's, it's very much uh, a giallo. The fucking plot is straight out of, you know, a giallo uh, story, uh, very, um, it's very easy to guess exactly what's happening. Um, but it is still a great, a great movie and a lot of fun. So there's a lot of great, great ones out there. These, these ones were almost more kind of police procedural thriller, you know, than, than straight up horror. And, but it's, it's fine. It's just, it's just different, you know? Um, no, they, they didn't rely on the visuals as much as some of the other giallos I've seen. It was more, a little more straightforward for the most part, you yeah. know? So, so if, if, if I, you know, maybe those are the ex- expectations I was going, I was going in with. So, but, um, but just seeing how well regarded these are and people talking about them, I'm like, maybe I missed something, you know, but, or, or maybe I didn't really like them all that much. I don't know, but, um, I'll, I'll dig into all this and kind of come out the other end and, See how I ultimately feel. Poop. It's not like you're gonna poop. Yep, I'm gonna Don't eat it, and let it digest, and shit it out. Wow, that's really. <laughs> I think this podcast. But is I, but <laughs> but as always, I mean, Arrow has yet to, to disappoint with these. Um, just the amount of of goodness they put into these, the amount of time they put into these releases. Just they they really make. Um, these purchases worthwhile because there is so much to kind of go through and read and, and learn about the film. And that's, to me, that's what's fun about film isn't just watching it, which is that's the highlight. That's the, you know, the icing on the cake. But I think uh, it's for me, it's always fun when there's stuff to dig into about the making of the film and the background. And, and that to me is uh, just makes a film even more valuable. So the fact that they, really go out of their way for each of these releases. I mean, we've, if it sound like a broken record here, but said the same thing last week. Um, it's really what I think puts putting arrow, like just head and shoulders above most of these other companies. Um, yeah. And they're just, they're just doing it right, you know? So, so as, as, as long as they keep doing this, I'll be blind buying these box sets. Yeah. I think it's always safe to say that blind buys aren't that bad. With, not with uh, not with Arrow. With these films, yeah. yeah. You can always know that you're going to at least get your money's worth. Totally. So, and they'll retain your value. If you didn't like the film, you can always resell it, and it'll retain its value. Yeah, That's important. Was, yeah. Is this a limited? Uh, this is a, a limited, limited edition. They'll probably do what they did with Battles Without Honor and Humanity. If this sells well, they'll probably um, release, oh, release it separately, maybe, but... 
they don't do that with everything. I don't think they only do that well, with. They, well, they did it with the black cats. I don't think it's been long enough for the other stuff. Yet. Right. Right. So um, they we'll, probably uh, yeah we'll they see. probably won't do it with American the American Horror Project, but with these films, you know, maybe they will. Yeah. So good stuff. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention the. Um... Oh crap! Hold on. Gotta get all this out again. But um, speaking of uh, black cats, Death Walks at Midnight was, uh, was the screenwriter was Ernesto Gastaldi, and he wrote mm-hmm. Your Vice is a Locked Room, and only only I have I had the key. He also wrote Torso. Yeah, he's he's actually written uh, quite a few uh, Giallo films. Yeah. Torso is one that I've been told I need to see. Torso is a lot of fun, really gory. Nice. So. Very cool. All right. Well, I think it's going to do it for this week's podcast. Yeah, I think so too. Thanks Next for, week, uh, get ready for sexy time. It's going to be our Vinegar Syndrome episode. But I think we'll be talking less about sexy time. We'll be talking more about, uh, you know, some Rudy Ray Moore. And, and uh, yeah. Human Tornado. And psychic Killer, Psychic Killer and Human Tornado. I'm pretty excited yeah. to jump into these. I really can't wait. You'll have to. So, and uh, so we'll be talking mainly about those, and then there's their 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 peep show DVDs. That, what are you uh, opening up? Are you have dead bodies? I have, I, yeah, I I have this gigantic desk in my little room that I record this in, and like part of it is this big cabinet that I store all my uh, some of my to watch pile is in there. Mm. So. Normally, what I'm going to watch next goes in there. Gotcha. What's next? All the vinegar syndrome stuff, I imagine. They're skipping July, or they're skipping June, so we won't. We'll not be getting a, a anything in June. But uh, they do have their July release is going to be awesome. But I can't pull it up right now. We'll talk about it next week. Wait, they've already announced their July release. Yes. Well, what the fuck is it? Well, hold, let me let me let me pull it up here. Hold on. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you announce that on the show? I, I think I think Josh and I have talked about it. Well, I our new segment. I'm not in that segment. I know. I I know. I, know. <laughs> I, would, I would take up. Josh wouldn't even get a word in. <laughs> the I new was, segment would last like. I I wasn't even invited because I, I I knew I just automatically knew I was like no that'd be a bad idea. The news segment will last two hours. Yeah. So I imagine it's another Rudy Ray Moore movie. I think so. I'm trying to release it. They're releasing a July package. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, we got the candy tangerine man slash lady Coco. Okay. That's cool. Petey Wheatstraw. That's the new Rudy Ray Moore movie. That's cool. So those two are the Blu-rays. Then we got, Corporate assets. Oh, that sounds right up my alley. Both ways. Mm. And take one. Oh, the Wakefield uh, Wakefield Pool movie. I guess. Hey, you're gonna be watching some gay porno. Oh, Congratulations. No. God damn it. No, you're good. <sighs> okay. All right. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> uh, that's so good. We'll talk to all of you next week uh, again. When I think. Our sponsors. Oh shit! You know what we got to do? We need to do. 
we need to announce a con- a, a contest. We want all of you to write in. So you have you have a week to get these in. It isn't long, I know, but um, you need to win uh, Sean's big box of porn. Shit. So what we want, what I want you to do is email us readme at thescreamcast.com. Su- subject, you know, you know what to put the subject. Sean's big box of porn. Mm. Um, put in the subject line, and I want to hear a story of a time when you were watching some sexy time on your TV and you got caught mm. by your parents or significant other. And uh, I want to hear the, these awkward, hilarious stories. Yes. That is your mission. So do I. I want to hear it. So what we'll do is I'll, I'll pick probably the five funniest ones. We'll, we'll, we'll pick the five ones that, that made us laugh the most. We'll read those. But then with everyone, we'll do a drawing. And if we haven't read your story, we'll read your story. Uh, if, we, if we draw your name and you will win a big box of porn. Because I got to get this stuff out of my house. I can't keep it in my house. Yeah, which is so funny. I mean, I can't ask Vinegar Syndrome not to send those to me because they're sending the whole the whole thing out for us to review, which is great. So I need to find a home for these because they are not staying here. Mm. It's not my bag, baby. Oh my god, dude! You did not just <laughs> do that. All right, uh, we want to thank our sponsors, of course, Vinegar Syndrome. Um, we want to thank Coffee Shop of Horrors, uh, Wolfman of Mars for providing the music. Typing, typing that or something? <laughs> no. Uh, video.com. Check them out. He has so much stuff he's getting in stock. He's selling so much Aero stuff. It's awesome. And it's we do. than Amazon. Yeah, heck yeah. He's been doing a great job with Aero stuff. We need to get Mike on the show, by the way. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to work him in either weekly or we can get him on maybe once a month, something like that. But uh, he needs to come on the show about the work that I, he just bought a brand new microphone so he can do this. He's all, he's ready. He's totally ready. Uh, of course, coffee shop of horrors. Like I said, um, check out their coffee. I there's, they were supposed to send me some stuff for giveaways. I haven't received it yet. I need to get to the bottom of this. And see what's up. Cause I do, uh, that's why we haven't had a, a drawing for that. And of course, Horror Pack. Check them out. And all these links are on our website, thescreamcast.com slash sponsors. And also, of course, uh, Kevin Spencer, check out his artwork over at, uh, inkspatters.com and, uh, buy some of his prints and t-shirts if they are available. So I think that is everyone. Yeah. Yep. Sounds sounds about right. All right. Talk to all of you guys next week for our vinegar vinegar syndrome episode. Until then, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. That was a sad bastard buy. Sad bastards? That was a sad bastard buy. You were not enthusiastic at all. Sorry, man. It's like... Oh, that's right. Go to bed.